0: prayer time at the end of service, and Wednesdays is meant for that, that we would have a long, uh, longer time of the ability to pray and study the Word, and we've been in Mark, and um, it's going really well, and just fun time, the a more relaxed time, kind of a conversation style, Bible study and, and prayer time, so if you haven't come to one of them, join us Wednesdays at 6.30, all right, well, we've been going through uh, the t- Psalm 23, and I see it's put it up there, and we can read the psalm together, if you would, with me today. Psalm 23, go ahead and read it with me. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and loving kindness will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It's a powerful psalm. If you uh, haven't had it memorized, probably by next week will be our last one. You should have it memorized. Shame on you if you have. No, just kidding. Just kidding. Um, but uh, memorize scripture, and this is a good one to learn, and as we kind of discuss each verse by verse and, and the powerful truths that are there as you memorize it. Hopefully some of these things that you've learned will come back into memory as well and the Lord will speak to you and, on those. We're focusing on verse five today. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You have anointed my head with oil. My cup overflows. If you notice again in, the, in, in this whole psalm, David starts out talking to the shepherd, the Lord is my, uh, sorry, he starts out talking about the shepherd, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. Well now, uh, verse, verse four, we talked about last week and kind of continuing today, it's talking about the shepherd, talking to the shepherd. I, got, I keep getting those mixed up, sorry. Okay, so now he's talking to the shepherd. He leads us uh, through the valley of the shadow of death. You are with me. And today you, you prepare a table before me. You anoint my head with oil. Okay, and so this, um, this psalm is kind of taking a turn. We're still kind of on the dark parts of it. Maybe, but we're we're making it through the valley, and this is some really good news and good stuff today about what's happening while we're marching through the valley. While He's helping us, He's with us, He's leading us, and some powerful stuff we're going to learn today. If you're joining us on the live stream right now or in the uh, future, we're glad that you're with us today, and we're thankful and just pray a blessing over you and that you're uh, tuning in and hope this message uh, just speaks to your heart as well so you would think that the good shepherd leading us and protecting us through the the dark valley the shadows of death all around us that he would try to hurry through right kind of get us to go 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 just get through come on come on you can just kind of rush us through Right? And and that he would be aware of what's going on, and we just need to get through this as quick as possible. Well, um, verse 5 kind of brings this contrasting statement. Our Lord, our shepherd, is also our host. He's not actually hurrying you through the valley as much as we want to get through it and be done with it quickly he stops and he prepares a table. He prepares a meal right there in the midst of uh, the darkest times of our life, this valley of the shadow of death that we want to hurry through and we want to just make it, we want to try to survive it. And our shepherd prepares this great meal. He prepares a table Although there are similar uh, principles in this verse to that of how a shepherd uh, would treat a sheep, he doesn't. Shepherds don't set a table for sheep in a way he does by leading them to green pastures, but um, th- it doesn't go right along with the analogy that David was using of of shepherds. We're right there in the in the there is sorry excuse me there is evidence that a shepherd would pour oil on the head and over the legs of the sheep that so the second part of our verse uh, does kind of translate to the analogy or illustration of the sheep but the the purpose of that was to we're going to talk about it in a few minutes too but to kind of repel insects to prevent diseases that would commonly affect sheep but but then this one principle, that one principle is surrounded by two that don't really translate well to the illustration of sheep, the cup overflowing. You know, Probably a shepherd might be able to uh, translate it better than uh, little old me, but um, what I can see, there is great truths in this verse, um, but I couldn't really find how they would... kind of illustrate through the illustration with the shepherd and his sheep so what is David saying in this powerful verse you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies you have anointed my head with oil and my cup overflows not only does our Lord our shepherd not only does he protect us through the valley but he actually sets up a meal for us there right in the midst of evil with our enemies uh, prowling around and God prepares a table for two, you and him. Talk about power and confidence, right? And not having any reason to fear, we learned in the last verse. How do we have that type of confidence? Because our God, our Lord, he's not shaken, he's not rattled, he's not on the lookout of what's going to happen next, right? I heard someone got startled at the beginning of service earlier. (laughs) Okay, God's not uh, like that. He's not jumpy. Like, oh, what's happening? No, no, he's confident, right? He's, He's in charge. He's powerful. And he's leading us through that with enough confidence that he would prepare a table for us to just stop get more nutrition right and we're going to talk about that and and the the powerful truths of that david actually experienced something very much like this in second samuel chapter 17 david if you remember that part of his life, he's being chased by his son Absalom and he is trying to kill his father. David and his men are, are running and, um, you know, it's not like he's right on his tail and he's like literally, you know, running for his life with Absalom 10 feet behind him. He's running through the country from place to place, place. And, and Absalom is finding where he's going and goes to the next one and kind of meets him. But when David and his, some of his guys reach the wilderness near Gilead, some of his old friends have uh, come out to the wilderness and meet him there, and they bring everything that he would need for that night. Uh, beds, furniture, the, the table. They bring a meal and and there's security and there's protection in that. And David, who's uh running for his life, probably thinks I don't have time to stop. All right. But these people uh bring all that he needs. And and despite the fact that Absalom is probably, you know, within a day or so of of closing in on them, David realizes this is what I need and I got this protection I got this blessing and so more than likely David as he writes this in his psalm of the 23rd psalm he's drawing back from that experience and he has the assurance in his heart that God is abiding provision despite the enemies that are surrounding him what God taught David and what he's teaching us today is a very powerful truth that there are blessings in the midst of the storm. During our uh, valley experiences, our Lord still leads us. He protects us. And above all, He blesses us. When I was uh, changing the sign, trying to change it each week to kind of reflect what we're looking at, you know, sometimes I feel like, when I say, oh, God bless me, God's blessing me, Like I, I don't want it to come across that our relationship with him is just to get, 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 receive, 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 right? There's a, a theology out there of prosperity that if you give enough, if you do enough, if you whatever, that God's going to give you whatever you want. And uh, there's a balance there. God does bless and as you're faithful to serve Him, He does bless. And that's what we're looking at today. How does God uh, bless? Our God doesn't, you know, just want us suffering all the time and uh, living in the lowest of poverty. That if we have anything nice, oh, we're, you know, we're too much. No, no. God, God blesses. Um, but I, I hesitate to go to the depths of the, what we would call the prosperity gospel. So when I say uh, the Lord is our shepherd, he blesses us, this um, is, a, is a great truth of how he blesses us. We got three points here. When the Lord is our shepherd, he blesses us in the middle of the battle. He blesses us in the presence of our enemies, he doesn't just bless us when times are good, right? When we're doing well, when we're doing great, and we're, uh, you know, we're faithful to give, you know, 20% instead of just 10%, right? Or when we're faithful to be in church four Sundays in a row. He's not uh, only blessing in, in the good times, right? But God, we should be able to see God's blessing in our life when at any time, as we're faithful to him, as we're going through um, these storms, these valleys, we should see that God is blessing us. How? Well, two things. He blesses us in the presence of our enemies. This table that he's preparing, I think we can understand uh, and get the word picture there. If uh, I would see it as uh, a Thanksgiving type of a meal. Um, when he prepares a table, it's probably not uh, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches with like whatever chips or crackers are left over. This isn't a leftover uh, meal. God is um, our shepherd. He's blessing us with this great table. Just as a shepherd would lead his sheep to the delicious, green, luscious pastures, God blesses us with a bountiful meal that replenishes our hunger and it hydrates our thirst. The bigger deal here is that he does this with our enemies surrounding, prowling, and, and God is, has this I don't know how big the table would have been, but, right, but God has this great table. And he's the, the good host that's, you know, setting the table out and, and preparing it. All the while, our enemies are kind of walking around. I don't know what they would be doing they're probably jealous of where's my table why why does he get this table where's mine you know and who are our enemies who are the ones out there that are uh, surrounding us in our uh, worst times while we're in the valley they're probably the ones causing the valley right they're probably the ones casting the shadow of death who are our enemies a friend who uh, betrayed our trust, A family member that hurt us, uh, the guy at the school that bullies us, or the guy at work that bullies us, the person that uh, no matter what the topic, they always disagree with us. They're always pushing our limits. Is it all the Packers fans? I just threw that in there. Sorry, they're not. You're not our enemy, Mark. <laughs> first peter so who does god say our enemies are first peter 5 8 tells us that your enemy oh this this should be an obvious answer your enemy the devil prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour you are being hunted The devil uh, will try to tempt you. He will lie to you. He will remind you of your past. He'll bring uh, condemnation for sins that you've already been forgiven of years ago, and they're still uh, weighing on your mind. He'll bring you shame. He will, all of this stuff, all kinds of stuff. Another verse kind of goes uh, to more detail though. Ephesians 6.12 says that our struggle, our fight, is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the rulers and against the authorities, it's against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil that's in the heavenly realms, When we're at this table and the enemy is prowling around and God gives us that picture right here. It's the devil. And he's looking at ways that he can uh, get us away from the table and that he can take us out, right? Your other enemies can be humans, but wait, you might say, Kevin, you just read that our struggle is not against flesh and blood, and you're right. But two chapters before that power, that, uh, that awesome verse, in Ephesians 4, 14, Paul warns us not to be like infants tossed back and forth by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Paul is definitely talking about humans here. And where do people get their craftiness? I'm not talking about how you make these fun pumpkins or, okay, not that crafty, okay? Where do people get their craftiness? Do you remember someone else who uh, was referred to as crafty? Yeah? Someone said yeah. Okay. You remember the serpent? The devil, when he's talking to Eve in the garden, right before he he gets her and Adam to sin and just brings evil into the world. Sin enters the world. Wickedness enters the world. And who else is known for his deceitful schemes? Ah, the devil, right? Right? So that deceitful, cunning, crafty devil will influence others around us to hurt us. He will will tap into their sinful nature to try and get at us. When we think that a certain person is our enemy because, well, they said this or they did that to us, we need to realize that there's a greater enemy that's working and he's uh, prowling around in the spiritual realm. We've kind of talked about that uh, in our in our past. It would be so amazing to be able to see into the spiritual heavenly realm, right? And we it would be awesome to see all the angels that work and the Holy Spirit and God's presence. But it would also be terrifying <laughs> to see the enemy. At work and the devil and the amount of uh, ways that he 's trying to tempt and trying to uh, get at us, and he 's lurking around, and he 'll whisper things to us or he 'll whisper things to someone else, "Do this, say this. We have to be on the alert. We have to realize that our enemies, we may think it's uh, I don 't know anyone here named Bob, so i 'm going to use the name Bob. <laughs> We may think it's Bob, okay? But Bob has a, a sinful flesh just like we all do, okay? And he has a sinful nature. We all kind of tend to, towards, uh, towards that. And the devil just uh, pushes at us and pushes at us and pushes at us, tempting us. Say this, you don't deserve that. You need to rip into them. And you need to do this. Don't take that from them. Say this, do this. And constantly, 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 if you think us as Christians uh, get tempted to say the wrong things or do the wrong things when we're trying to live for God, right? Imagine the people that aren't. They don't care about living for God. And how much can the devil use them to come against us? Our Lord, our shepherd, our host, our God, has this amazing meal set up. And I wonder how many chairs are set at this table. I don't think that we are meant to eat at the table alone. And I really know that, <laughs> that the enemy isn't invited to the table, So there's definitely not uh, any spaces for them. How many is this table set for? I tend to agree with Louis Giglio and his study. Uh, some of you have gone through, I think it was on the Sunday morning Bible study. I'm not sure though. Uh, don't give the enemy a seat at your table. And he says that the table is set for two. It's set for you and for God. What is God doing at this table? He's our host and he's, he's prepared it. He set it. What's he doing? What's that look like? I picture him kind of like, uh, okay, this isn't biblical, okay? But this is my picture and my, kind of my understanding of what God is doing at this table I picture him like my grandma, okay? That's why it's not biblical, okay? God doesn't look like my grandma, okay? <laughs> but she would have us over for dinner, Thanksgiving, Christmas, whatever the, the big spread. We had a large family that would come often. And, and I see God kind of like uh, I would see her setting the plates around the table, setting the silverware, and there was an order to the silverware. I can't remember if the fork's on the left or if the knife and spoon are on the left. Can't remember how that goes, why there's three forks. when you? I mean, I don't, I don't get that. But it was nice. It wasn't the paper plates, just grab as you go and use your hands. Okay. I picture the Lord, our host, setting this table and, and setting it nicely and not, not in a hurry, kind of having a conversation with us as he's doing so. And I'm really glad you came today. Man, you're doing, uh, really love this uh, relationship. that man, even in the midst of the storm you're going through, that you you would take the time to be at this meal with me. And he's kind of, God is uncovering the dishes to reveal like, and look at this prime rib on this big old plate. And there's maybe a turkey and ham. Like I said earlier, it's not bologna. I don't know who invented bologna. But, and then some people will fry it. And I, I don't get that. It's definitely not bologna. It could be brisket. Whatever, you, whatever your meat of choice. That God is uh, preparing this and he's asking about my day. He's asking about how life's going, and he's insisting, here, have, have a seat, sit down, here's a, here's a napkin, and he's you know, unfolding the napkin, laying it out for us. He's being a good host. All the while, I'm distracted by the herd of lions that are walking around circling me. I point them out to the Lord that, whew, I don't, I don't know if we have time to sit here when there's an enemy. Can we just get through the valley? I go, why Why? Why do we stop here? Why couldn't we stop in the nice village ahead of us that's peaceful? Why, why are we here? And the Lord, uh, he just kind of sighs. Uh, don't worry about those little kitties. And they're just... They're just looking for some fun. And he's insisting on, uh, just, just don't We're here. Take some more. Take some of these mashed potatoes. These, you need these green beans. And he just kind uh, of, don't, don't worry about those enemies. He sits down across from me, and he begins to speak affirmation. Man, I'm, I'm so proud of you. I saw the way that you handled that temptation yesterday. Man, you just kept your mouth shut. You didn't say a word. Man, I'm, I'm so proud of you. Good job, Kev. Wow, you, you asked for wisdom and you spent time uh, praying over that big decision that you had to make. Man, I'm, I'm so proud that you do that. And it may sound uh, a little silly that God would have that type of a conversation, but if God had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. I don't know if you've heard that quote before, that God loves us so much. He's like the grandma or grandpa that would pull out his wallet and have like 20 pictures of you to show off, okay? And he he is so proud of you, and he's prepared this for you, not that you would just hurry off and rush off and try to just survive life, but that you would stop. And you'd have this conversation with him. And understanding that uh, there's peace there and there's nothing to worry about. Whatever the enemy is trying to do, man, he is nothing. Our Lord, our, our host, he spends the meal affirming us. Meanwhile, all around us, our enemies are prowling around watching us there at the table. The battle is still raging. We still live in a fallen world where, with calamities and crisis and chaos. But our good shepherd wants us to know that he is there with us in the midst of the pain and the trials and the struggle. And he wants the enemy to know that too. That was a quote out of Louis Giglio's study. That God wants to make sure the enemy knows that you're blessed and that you're protected and that he loves you, that he's anointed you, that you're his and that they're nothing. God is making a statement. He's showing your enemy that this one is mine. You can try all that you want, but any plan, any scheme, none of it will work. I will protect them. I will defend them. Paul declared in Romans 8:31 if God is for us who can be against us. John in 1 John 4:4 4, 4 says greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. Okay? Greater is the Lord that's at the table with you than the enemy that's surrounding you. God blesses us in the midst of the battle. Second, God blesses us with his anointing. This was done by shepherds to uh, sheep as they would use oil to protect against insects, to protect against you know, all kinds of disease. In this verse, I believe David is referring to the custom of that day of anointing your guest's head with oil. Even Jesus, in, in his day, it was still happening. He points, Jesus points it out when uh, Mary, not his mother, but one of the other Marys, it was like there was five Marys or something that was around Jesus, but the one that came and anointed uh, his feet and washed his feet with her hair. Jesus points out when the other disciples are offended that she would do this and that she would uh, spend that uh, perfume And Jesus points out to the host that you didn't even anoint my head, but she's anointing my feet. How does this anointing pertain to us today? A few ways. Anointing someone was giving them honor, was setting them apart as your household guest. You are the honored guest. Our Lord, our, our host, he prepares this table before us and he affirms us by anointing our head with oil. The anointing affirms that we are his. He's saying, you are my guest, you are my child, you are my son, daughter, you are mine. The anointing affirms that he has a purpose for us. It affirms that relationship that he will be with us as we live out that purpose. His anointing represents our inheritance as children, as his children. 1 Peter 2.9, But you are a chosen uh, people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. So that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who has called you out of darkness and into His marvelous light. His anointing represents the Holy Spirit coming into our lives. Throughout the Old Testament, we see when a, when a prophet anoints a leader who God has appointed as, uh, you know, over, you know, as a king, or um, we see it happen a few times. It actually happened with David, who wrote this. The prophet Samuel uh, anoints David as king. When he does so, the Bible says that the Holy Spirit came on David from that day forward forever. And in the New Testament, we don't see it happening as much because Jesus is the anointed one and he describes the Holy Spirit's filling the life of all who believe. God, Jesus uh, was the anointed one and he turns and he anoints all who believe, which brings us to our third blessing. God blesses us to the point of overflow. The cup that David speaks of represents his uh, innermost being. Okay? In this moment, at the table with his Lord and his host, David is receiving abundant provision and blessing. As we have discussed before, God does the same for us. God is affirming us, he's speaking into our lives at this table, right? He's um, building up our faith. He's building us up in all of these metaphors, whatever one you want to use, with the purpose of not just surviving. He's not just, man, if I'm just going to give you enough to make it through. No, no, he's filling us to thrive. The Lord not only gives his people what they need, like verse 1 and 2 said, I shall not want. But he supplies abundance in the midst of difficult times, like our verse today is saying. Jesus promised to give us life and give it more abundantly, right? Paul tells us that God is the one who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, and that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. The blessing will not only fill us, but it will overflow out of us. This phrase, my cup overflows, is not simply saying that, and I have more blessing than, than I can contain, but that the blessing should be pouring out of me into others as well. Jesus famously taught this to the woman at the well. You remember that story? He approaches the, uh, the woman at the well, and I mean, that's a whole uh, lot of great teaching in there. But he tells her in John four thirteen and 14, he says that everybody who drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never thirst. But the water that I will give him will, will become in him a well of water springing up to eternal life. Was Jesus speaking of literal water as he's sitting at the well? And No. And neither was David in our psalm. His cup wasn't overflowing due to the host, like keep pouring and pouring. Okay, okay, stop, stop I can't hold. No, he's not referring that. Uh, Jesus taught on this principle again in more detail in John 7, 37, 39 If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture said, from his innermost being Will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke of the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Well, Jesus has been glorified. He rose from the dead, He ascended uh, back to heaven. And he said uh, the promise that the Holy Spirit would come once he's done that. So it's happened. So we're living in the time of the Holy Spirit being poured out in our life like water filling a cup, but not stopping with this cup being overflowing. And that the Holy Spirit is like that water that Jesus is uh, speaking to the woman about. That streams of living water, streams of the Holy Spirit should be pouring out from us in the midst of the valley and in the presence of our enemies, our host hydrates us with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit fills us with what Paul calls the fruits of the Spirit that they will be overflowing out of us into the lives of all of those around us. When God uh, pours into our cup and overflows out of our cup, what should be overflowing? More More than even what Paul describes as the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control i mean that kind of covers uh, a large portion of uh, what should be uh, pouring out from our life as we're being overfilled right it's a powerful statement that god overflows our cup he doesn't just bless us enough to survive he blesses us to thrive and to help others to pull others through the valley, to pull others through uh, life, all the problems of life. Would the worship team come and we'll wrap up today. Would you stand with me